This is the most researched episode of all time. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the College of Life podcast. It is great to be here. And that was not a joke. This episode of the College of Life podcast is probably going to be longer than your typical ones because this took so much time to put together and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with what we got. Uh, typically my notes range anywhere from half a page to two pages max for every single one of these episodes and in front of me I'm staring at about eight full pages of notes that I have got to dissect and diagnose as we go throughout this episode and honestly I'm excited. Let's get into it. I do want to say though before we get started I let you guys down last week. I did. We fell short. There wasn't an episode last week, and I know, I know, I, I heard all the grief, but some stuff came up, all right? I had an episode recorded. I had stuff ready to go. <laughs> However, sometimes life just gets in the way because that episode that I had recorded, the audio just kind of fell short. It wasn't really what I wanted it to be. It wasn't up to that tip-top standard that I try to hold the College of Life podcast to. So I decided it would be best just to not release it and to help you guys out a little bit just to say... I'm sorry. What I'm going to do today is I'm actually posting two episodes to the College of Life podcast this week. So they'll both be out today. As soon as you get done listening to this one, that next one will already be up. And if you want, you can go over and listen to it right away. That being said, today, fair viewers of this wonderful podcast, I want to talk about self-concept. So, what is self-concept? Self-concept is an idea of the self constructed from the beliefs one holds about oneself and the responses from others. That's, once again, the dictionary definition, how we start all of these episodes. Let's just define it the way that it is logically defined. An idea of the self constructed from the beliefs one holds about oneself and the responses from others. So... How does self-concept tie in to you? Who are you? If someone was to sit you down right now and ask, what makes you, you? What would you say? What are your identities? Your identities play a huge role in building your own self-concept. Stuff like a student, a mom, dad, soccer player, etc. Those all make up who you are. For me, my identities, I'm a soccer player. I'm a podcast host. I'm a YouTuber, I'm a brother, I'm a happy person, I'm a fun lover, I'm a student, and most importantly, I'm me. And while some of you might say that being me isn't part of my identity, I want to say you're wrong. A big part of my identity and who I am is constantly being myself. No matter the situation, no matter who I am, who I'm around, I don't want to ever find myself trying to change who I am just to fit in a little bit more. But... Let's not veer too far off topic. Let's say we were to deep dive into self-concept and what it might be. Because like I said, this is the most researched episode of the College of Life podcast. So deep diving, we shall do. Self-concept can kind of be broken down into three main categories. Complexity, consistency, and clarity. First up, we have complexity. The number of distinct and important identities you believe you have. Those identities that I was just li listing off, they make up my self-concept complexity. Having a variety of identities is key to ensuring the maintenance of your own self-concept. 
You need all these different things, all these different identities, all these different categories to play in to who you are if you really want a strong and complex self-concept. I've got a quote for you here from one of the articles and books that I read to do this thing. The strength of the thread does not reside in the fact that some one fiber runs through its whole length, but in the overlapping of many fibers. Ludwig Wittgenstein, Philosophical Investigations. If you guys listened to the Too Many Fires episode that I threw back like two, three weeks ago, uh, you know that I am all about focusing on a few things in life and that having too many fires burning at once can really cause you to be less effective in all of them. However, on the flip side, having too few fires and too low self-concept complexity is just as dangerous of a game. That being said, let's jump on to self-concept consistency. Individuals may focus on seemingly isolated characteristics about themselves and not see that they consist of interrelated characteristics. Such interrelationships may be quite evident to others. Michael Pogliani, Personal Knowledge Towards a Post-Critical Philosophy. Your self-concept consistency is all about the level to which your separate identities require similar personality traits, values, and actions. How easy is it for you to go from one identity to the next? Throwing it back to me, for me to be a podcaster and a YouTuber, those are almost one and the same. It's super easy for me to take my podcast, Joseph, and transition straight into YouTube, Joseph. However, where I lack self-concept consistency comes when you tie in the whole being a college student thing. It is so much less fluid for me to jump from going to a podcast host to a college student and back and forth constantly. The harder it becomes for you to switch from one thing in life to the next, the more it rips at your constructed idea of your own self-concept. Let's say, imagine you're a piece of sticky tack, going through life, trying to find where you stick. At first, you can change from shape to shape, thing to thing, with ease, jumping all around life. However, the more you build your self-concept, the harder it becomes to try to fit in absolutely anywhere. Every time you change your shape just to fit in somewhere else, you're a little less malleable on the way back. Having consistency of your own identity is crucial to maintaining a strong self-concept. Clarity. Your self-concept clarity is how well you define your own self-concept and how stable that definition is. You gain clarity of self-concept when you really take the time to look within yourself and figure out who you believe you are. The more you do this and see these beliefs played out in real life, the more confident you become in the definition of your own self. Having that type of clarity allows you to go, oh yeah, all that stuff that I think about who I am, it is right. So now that we've covered self-concept, complexity, consistency, and clarity, let's mention why all this stuff is important. Your self-concept is who you think you are. The most important decision maker in deciding who you are is you. So, Knowing and having a full grasp on your own self-concept is crucial in deciding who you are. That being said, we've established the what and the why of self-concept, and we have even decently defined it. Your self-concept is who you think you are. Notice, I said think. Knowing versus believing. It must be made clear that when we speak of our own cognitive appraisals, we're speaking more in terms of beliefs than knowledge. The difference between beliefs and knowledge is far from clear. The knowledge we have of our own self is not of the factual type. 
John Hady, self-concept. We've all got our own ideas of our own self-concept. Some of us think we're good people. Some of us think we're piles of shit. None of us believe that we are the same. The one thing I want to point out in this is that none of us 100% factually know who we are. At any given point in time, our self-concept is merely our belief in what we see in ourselves. All the time, I find myself talking to people about how I am happy in life, because I truly believe that I am. And they point out how something I said or something I did as a reaction just off a whim points towards the contrary. I take this moment to really reflect on if what I believe to be true is actually true. Am I actually happy? I sure feel like I know this, but in all reality, I only believe it. It's up to me to believe whether or not I'm happy, and to be honest, I could change that whenever I wanted. Your self-concept is entirely up to you and what you want to believe to be true. And while you might be saying, well, Joseph, you just said earlier that you should have a consistent self-concept, and you shouldn't make your sticky-tack change shapes all the time. And yes, this is true. If you constantly change who you are and your own view on yourself, eventually you're going to wake up, stare into the mirror, and say, who the fuck am I? So changing it once every now and then when you need to is absolutely possible. Changing it in a repetitive manner over and over, dangerous. Descriptions, prescriptions, and expectations. Now, before we get too deep into this next part, I want to say that this entire theory comes from John Hady when he wrote Self-Concept, and this was like genuinely one of my favorite things to read. When I got into this part about descriptions, prescriptions, and expectations, I literally found myself thinking, there is no way I do not include this in the podcast. Everything else, it was like, oh, you know, maybe I could use this here, maybe I could use this here. This part literally made me go, if I don't put this in the podcast, I don't deserve to be a podcaster. So, that being said, when you work on your own self-concept, you have three major categories. Descriptions, prescriptions, and expectations. First up, descriptions. We can, and almost certainly do, have misconceptions about ourselves. And these misconceptions are part of our self-concepts. We can even know that the conceptions are incorrect, yet this does not prevent their being part of our self-concept. John Hady, Self-Concept. Your descriptions of your self-concept are just that, the descriptions. One of the foremost parts of who you believe you are comes in lying it out in front of you and describing all of your own parts. It's far from a simple task, but it helps you so much in making every decision you may face down the road. Your descriptions of your own self-concept are literally as simple as that. Just descriptions. Expectations. As they believe he is, he comes to believe he is. Sidney Girard. Now, this is where stuff gets fancy. The expectations you place on yourself have a range of effects, all relatively based on your own outcomes. Having high expectations for yourself can be great. Believing you can do whatever is awesome. But you have to understand that if you fall short 
This puts a crack in the foundation of your self-concept. People held to higher expectations are oftentimes less fulfilled than those held to low expectations. It really is a tricky conundrum because you want to show people that you do believe in them and you want to hold them to high expectations to help them grow. But doing this can adversely affect them if they don't achieve the expectations you put on them. Once one crack starts to appear in the foundation, this kicks off the road to many, many more. So you have to be precise when setting expectations for yourself and others. There are multiple studies that show that setting high expectations for others causes them to meet set expectations more often than not. However, setting too high of expectations causes negative effects, such as dissent. They start to believe that maybe they're not all that. Prescriptions. For the subjectively self-aware person, attention is directed away from the self, and because a comparison between standards of correctness and behavior will not take place, there can be no self-evaluations. These personas carry a feeling of control and mastery. Duval and Wickland, A Theory of Subjective Self-Awareness. And real quick, before we move on, saying prescriptions like that really made me feel cool because that's that thing that like Matthew McConaughey does in his, cult, in his whole book, Green Lights or whatever. He's like, prescriptions. Anyway, <laughs> that was off topic, but I thought that, was, that made me feel pretty cool. Anyway, I'll be honest, guys. I, like, I used to be a person that thought he was better than the average Joe. I used to be one of the people that used subjective self-awareness and spent zero time figuring out how I could improve myself. Nowadays, however, I've shifted that belief in myself from the self-esteem category to the self-efficacy category, something that we'll touch on in just a second. But, basically, this means that I no longer want to see myself as better than most people. While I want to have that belief that I am capable of achieving whatever I want, a person who believes they have already crossed the finish line has nothing to chase. I've become so addicted to growing and improving who I am, and I've become perfectly aware that the most accomplished people on this earth believe that they can do anything, but they don't know that they can do anything. Understanding that you are an incredible person capable of anything, but also one who has plenty of room for improvement, is a tricky thing to do. That's where these prescriptions come in. Set your descriptions, set your expectations, and then come up with ideas of how you can adjust going forward to better suit whatever you want in yourself. Alright, so we've covered self-concept. We've covered complexity, consistency, and clarity. We've covered knowing versus believing, and we've covered descriptions, expectations, and prescriptions. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to move on to a little thing called self-efficacy. Everybody knows what self-esteem is, uh, but maybe not everybody knows what self-efficacy is. I certainly did not before this episode. Your self-esteem is kind of like your self-concept, who you believe you are, your feelings of self-worth and value. Your self-efficacy is your belief in yourself to do things successfully. Remember earlier how I said I moved my feeling of being capable of anything from my self-esteem to my self-efficacy category? Yeah, this is it. Having that high self-efficacy belief in myself allows me to go through life with a can-do attitude. Basically, it boils down to I am not 
a perfect person, self-concept, but if I really needed to, I'm capable of doing what a perfect person can do, self-efficacy. So, real quick, touching just a bit more on how self-efficacy affects you in life, I have two main points to cover, internal and external locus of control. Your locus of control is essentially where you place the blame for the things that happen in your life. A person with an internal locus of control believes that they can put some effect on the experiences and events they have in life. They are the driver. A person with external locus of control believes that life and the stuff that happens in it are outside of their control. They believe that they are just along for the ride. So, while I try to keep this podcast very open-minded and I acknowledge all the time that I don't know shit, this is a topic that I feel fairly passionate about. Believing that you are in control of your own life is so key to allowing you to end up where you want to end up. You cannot achieve your own goals if you sit back and let life take the wheel, hoping you'll end up in the right place. I mean, literally, it's, it's like jumping in a taxi, giving them a general idea of where you want to go, and then sitting back and hoping they drop you off at your exact building. Screw that. No, I'm, I'm getting in the driver's seat, and I'm taking that car exactly where it needs to be. Having an internal locus of control allows you not to make excuses. If something went wrong, the blame's on you. This means that you understand you messed up, and you can prepare to correct it going forward. With all of that being said, remember, your self-efficacy is your belief in the things you can accomplish. Your self-concept is who you see yourself as a person. Both of these are so important in determining who you are and who you can become, and they're just as important in the ways you implement them towards others. Know who you are, but understand that at all times you could be wrong and you have the ability to change how you see yourself whenever you want. If you like thinking about this stuff and if you want to read a bit more about it, a couple of the articles and the books I read for this episode were Philosophical Investigations by Ludwig Wittgenstein, Self-Concept by John Hady, and Personal Knowledge Towards a Post-Critical Philosophy by Michael Poliani. Guys, I had so much fun diving into what makes your own self-concept, and I learned so much from all of those people. Feel free to go back and listen to this episode two, three times over because I took all of those notes, all those eight pages of notes, and tried to cram them down into as useful of an episode as I could without making it too severely long. I do want to say thank you to the teacher that let me do this as my homework. It was my favorite homework assignment of this year, honestly. And to everybody else, if you are still listening, I want to say thank you for listening to the College of Life podcast. Make sure to go listen to that second bonus episode for this week, and I will see you guys Later. Peace.